Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Opinion that we never should have landed a man on the moon. It's a mistake. Now everything is compared to that one accomplishment. Now everybody goes, I can't believe they can land a man on the moon and taste my coffee. <laughs> Conversations about collaboration, episode 42. Erin Grau joins me. She's the co-founder and COO of Charter, a company that seeks to transform work. We talk about parental leave, equity, Jerry Maguire, and the massive opportunity for organizations to reimagine work. Let's get it on. Erin, where does this pod find you? I am in New York City. You guys getting back to normal? I've heard good things. We are. There's certainly, there are certainly fewer masks um, and more spaces for me and my kids to eat dinner, enjoy art. Um, So yeah, it's getting back to normal. Well, I want to dive right into Charter. I am fascinated Mm -hmm. with the future of work and I can tell that you are as well. It's the reason I wrote my new book and started a podcast and blah, blah, blah. But tell me the Charter of Charter. Sure. Well, our core belief is that um, our lives are just more intertwined with work than ever before, but also that work is so outdated, outmoded, and businesses don't know how to manage people anymore. And then on top of that, there's just institutions have failed the American people and the American employee for so long. And there's so much pressure on the private sector to step up and lead in things like racial injustice, support for caregivers and mental health. And, you know, also we, you know, we, we talked to a lot of academics and practitioners and this London business school professor, Linda Bratton said it best, which is there's a time of thawing right now. And soon things will freeze back. But right now in this time of thawing, we think there's a real moment to transform how we work. And that's why we started Charter. I couldn't agree more. One of my favorite quotes is Churchill never wasted a good crisis. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like charter isn't lacking for ambition. Now, you're not just trying to make tweaks at the edges. You think that there is this massive opportunity and I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, we do. I mean, we started as a newsletter, Kevin Delaney, one of my co-founders started this newsletter and it just got so much traction because people are so hungry to, to understand what work can be. Um, And what our job right now is like surfacing beliefs and priorities around the future of work and bridging research and practice. And again, making that very clear, not only like where we're going and where we we could be going, but how to connect today to that future. And our other co-founder, Jay Loff, um, joined and we decided that we were going to really make a run at at helping transform work for more organizations and leaders Um, so yeah, like you, I just, I believe it's such a moment and, um, we're all, we all came from media and we believe in the power, um, and impact that media can have. And that's really how the business started, but we're also, you know, media and services company. It's a a kind of a different type of organization. There's not really other models yet for that. Um, and so we're thinking about multiple ways we can help leaders and organizations in this moment. And so that includes, we have this working hybrid program, which we built with Nomadic. So it's about a five, six hour program that leaders and organizations can can go through to help them 
understand what to focus on in this kind of chaotic 12 to 18 month period when people are really getting back to post-pandemic work um, and, and offices and figuring out new work arrangements. So, yeah. I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago, what work can be. Wave your magic wand, right? Get rid of all the shackles and internal politics. And um, it sounds a bit idealistic, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong. What what could work in theory be? Because I, I agree with you that a lot of people have tried to replicate at best quasi-broken uh, in-person processes over Zoom or over Microsoft Teams or whatever. Um, I think we can do so much more. There's, it's not coincidence that I call my book Reimagining Collaboration because I really do think, and the previous charter name was Reset Work, right? Right, yeah, we the renamed same. charter. Yeah. Reset Work was really what we were doing in the moment, but thinking again, just bigger and 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 we just had bigger ambitions. And so we renamed, we actually wrote a charter uh, about what you know we think work can be to answer your question and, um, and then decided to be charter. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so tell me about the Jerry Maguire moment, right? You can blow things up. You can start from scratch and build a better world of work. What does that look like? Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the Jerry Maguire moment because I've also said that too. And, and when Jay and I, and, and Kevin and I have been talking, so we believe fundamentally that, that, businesses can be more equitable, fair, and more dynamic. And we believe that in doing that, um, they'll be more successful, A, and B, more people can thrive within those organizations. So we're building these new models of working in the face of climate change, racial and gender inequities, multiple generations in the workforce, like automation, remote work, all of it. Um, all of these things are changing right now, and we're trying to create, again, new models and this playbook to help companies see this future state and the viability of that vision through through our, our journalism and through um, kind of the work we're doing on the ground, again, through trainings and eventual additional products and services that we're thinking through right now. And in part of this new future of work, you envision a very different world when it comes to parental leave. Yeah. I mean, you brought up something that's very near and dear to me, but yeah, I mean, so few Americans actually, the last number I saw was 14% of Americans have access to paid leave, any paid leave. There are so many parents that have to go back to work very quickly after their children are, are born. And, um, and again, I think it's a failing of institutions and you know political solutions that that pressure has fallen onto the private sector. And you know, only half of Americans are knowledge workers; the other half are hourly employees, and without a lot of protections and uh, or a strong voice in the workplace. And yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're doing is really looking at the research and drawing out insights and trying to understand what companies should do and how they can can more positively impact the lives and livelihoods of their employees, of their families, and of their communities. And parental leave is one big lever, but it's only one, right? There's there's also, there's, you know, a support, a, a culture of support for caregivers that's needed. Um, thinking about caregiving obligations when you think about, you know, promotions and, and roles within your company. I mean, I could go on and on, but, um, you know, millions of 
working mothers have left the workforce in the last you know 16 months because there is not enough support in organizations or in this country. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. You know more about the issue than I, but I've seen some statistic that if or some uh, visualization, if you look at all the countries that don't offer any sort of paid leave to industrial industrialized countries, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. is a notable outlier. Yes, it's at the bottom. One of the yeah, at the bottom of the list. Yeah, and it, it's um, I mean, look, I think it, it it's funny, you know, I think about. Um, I have two young children, six and four. And during the pandemic, when they didn't have access to school or uh, <laughs> caregivers, because, you know, obviously it was a pandemic, um, you know, I, I feel, first of all, I'm very privileged that I have resources. Um, my husband and I have resources to, um, and I'm able to make choices like to spend time with my kids and help educate them. Not all parents have that. Um, but I do think it's time for, for companies to step up and lead in, again, that's one area that I believe companies should be stepping up and leading. I couldn't agree more. And you'd think that if it isn't something that they felt morally or ethically compelled to do, you, you could argue, right, and I'm sure a decent amount of the research supports this, that it's actually the right business decision, right? As a retention tool, I think about it this way. If very few employers offer remote work, then employees are kind of stuck. But as you know, the, the pendulum has swung, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen some of the, the polls about 30 to 50% of employees who are going to quit if they yeah. have the option of working in a hybrid capacity or remotely. So even if your employer in the middle of nowhere doesn't offer the option, then so be it. It's just mm-hmm. this fascinating opportunity to do the right thing, even though maybe should have done it a long time ago, but I didn't realize that the number was as low as 14%. That is a bit of an indictment. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think there is a social and moral imperative too. And, and as you point out, there's also a business imperative. We know that you brought up retention. That is definitely one of the, the things that, um, employers with parental leave will benefit from with their employees, um, retention. It also improves the health of, a family of an employee, they're less likely to say, take sick days if they um, have parental leave. They um, there's also even like productivity bumps that the employee and the team around them can can get by having this period of time where a parent is with their child. And the other thing I'll say about equity, because one thing that we think about a lot is um, is equity, and and I think having parental leave for all parents. Um, is also important and a, and a culture that supports people taking that leave and equity at home starts when uh, a birth mother in, in this example might have more time off than the, the, the partner, in which case they're the ones kind of setting the schedule and, you know, bonding more with the child and making the doctor's appointments and making the friends. And, and that's just the beginning of their life. And so I think if we, if we want to really create a more equitable society, parental leave is also a great place to start. Um, meaning, you know, any parent, however they become a parent has the access to the same amount of time. In that regard, then could you argue that despite all the horrible um, effects of the pandemic in terms Mm -hmm. of opening companies' eyes, whether it's to parental leave or remote work or just different ways of doing things that could actually be one of the benefits? 
Meaning, yeah, that they should be focusing on caregiving benefits. Sure, because if yeah. in theory, right, a 55-year-old executive said, we don't do that type of thing, right? Ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, now we've had this 18-month-ish natural experiment of people working remotely. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? I actually am going to be able to pick up my kid from soccer practice at three o'clock without missing a key meeting. Um, yeah. The fact that we've been able to not only survive, but I'm sure you've seen some of the statistics. Um, so something in the Wall Street Journal a couple of months ago, how employees are about 5% more productive. Um, maybe it's because they're not commuting or they've got that flexibility baked in. Does this make parental leave and some of the other um, changes that you and I both think the workplaces ought to make more palatable? Yeah. I mean, I, um, yeah, I think rigidity of work is, is kind of an old idea post uh, pre pandemic and, and flexibility is here to stay. So I do believe that I believe that companies that understand that the employees coming back to their office are not the same ones that left in March, 2020. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think and flexibility, not just for parents, but you know, for this, we can talk, continue this example, but I, I do think flexibility for everybody to help give them the work life balance, um, the, the ability to focus on things that are really meaningful to them. Um, and we know that time away from the office or time away from work helps people become more creative and more engaged and more energized. And so I think it's important for all employees and not just parents, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really short-sighted of companies to um, ignore the needs of parents. Um, I think if, you know, companies, we, we know that, you know, companies say publicly one thing, like they believe in, you know, or working towards equity. Um, this is one of the levers they can pull um, to make sure they keep specifically women in the workplace, working mothers in the workplace. Um, and again, like I said, I think it's just, it, birth is one moment in time. I mean, there's so many, so many ways to support working parents. And, you know, when I was at, you know, the New York times, we wrote this parentally policy for women. And I spent eight months writing a proposal for a policy change for parental leave. And it really, it, it one, the policy was, I think a huge benefit to the employees that work there, but the second part was the culture that we created around permission to take parental leave. And it, it sometimes is scary, right? Like it's scary if you're thinking like my company, if I'm not in the office, maybe they're going to figure out that they don't actually need me. Um, and it's scary to think, oh, my, like my colleague has so much on their plate and I don't want to add one more thing. But I think when you start creating a culture where it is about caregiving and more humanity and a deeper understanding of the needs of people around you, then you unlock so much potential for your organization and your team. Is it going to take for some organizations key employees leaving before they finally get it and get on board with this? And, and not just parental leave, but hybrid work. I mean, it, famously, uh, JP Morgan, we work recently been in the news saying we want butts in seats, right? And right. if you're not back by September 1st, then we need to have a serious discussion. Is it going to take people saying, yeah, I'm not coming back and fairly high turnover rates before people say, all right, we do have a problem here. We need to start having these conversations. Yeah. I mean, who knows what it's going to take some of these organizations. That's pretty well documented that employees are saying, um, setting a different expectation for the return to work post pandemic. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that they're listening to employees. Employees are have more power, I think, than they ever had before. They have a, a louder voice than they've ever had before. So I, the answer is, I don't know how what it's going to take, frankly, for some of these companies, because it's the data is there and the, the um, you know, whatever you call it, like the great resignation or the great awakening. I mean, that's pretty well established at this point. And there are still companies that believe that. Look, I think it comes down to a few things. We talk to a lot of companies and, you know, a lot of people in leadership, especially at some of these larger companies, this is the way that they worked. They believed, for example, they work in a meritocracy because they made it to the top. So it must be fair. Right. And we know that that's not true. Um, and that, that, that talent is equally distributed, but opportunity isn't. And, um, so, so anyway, there, there are many ways to look at this, but, you know, I think when right now an office is now a tool to get work done, it is not a place to get work done. And by that, I mean that the pandemic proved that knowledge workers, most knowledge workers can actually work remotely. And there's, we know that there's tools, but there's still more work that need, that's need, needed in tools and technology. But, you know, I think there are a lot of things companies can do when you think about coming back together and what that looks like. Um, I think that's building a lot of trust with your employees. It sounds like, you know, sometimes I think companies or leaders say they need people in their seats because they just don't trust that work is getting done. That's one big thing that they can, they can address. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think coming together is important for, you know, the socialization aspect for, for collaboration, but I also don't buy what I've also heard leaders say, which is, uh, people need to be together to build culture. We know that that's not really true. Um, so I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think it's a really lazy approach to say, we're all going to go back to the way things were in February, 2020. I think it, it doesn't acknowledge the incredible change and loss that people experienced over the last 16 months of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think there's a better new way forward. And the other side of this is there are a lot of companies that are recognizing this and are earnestly, you know, coming to their employees and saying like, we want to be different. Let's try some things and, and trying to engage in a new dialogue with employees, which, you know, which, which is very much like, listen and share and kind of experiment. Um, and that's new for people too. So I think it's going to take a lot of time. There's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of challenges over the next, it's just going to be chaotic for the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. <laughs> so. I'm pretty sure that you've hacked in my computer because two seconds before you said the word experiment, I wrote down the word experiments okay. because I, I worry that there are going to be some old school CEOs who are probably close to retirement we're yep. going to read an article or see a tweet or whatever about a company that tried to do remote work or offer real paid parental leave or whatever, and it failed. And I go, see, I told you so, which is the very definition of confirmation bias, right? An experiment by definition. Yep. Some are going to succeed. Some are going to fail. And they're going to be a bunch of things in between. So I worry about that. And, you know, you say, oh, see, this company tried it. It didn't work. Therefore, we're not even going to try yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think there will be, there will be companies like that. I think a lot of this and kind of coming back to charter as an organization is helping to surface these research-based best practices 
and how to do something like parental leave, how to roll that out. So for example, if you're at a really small company and there's not a lot of, uh, there aren't a lot of resources that you have, um, how do you, how do you create a culture and, and policies and practices that support your employees? And that's going to look really different from a very large company. And we're definitely not saying it should be the same thing. There's a difference between equity and equality. Um, and so I, I think, you know, looking at what each employee, what your employees need, the employees that you have and the employees that you want to attract, what you're able to do and, and like being really creative. And again, your word experiment, like experimenting with that over time and collecting data and like qualitative and quantitative and trying to understand, um, you know, how to evolve over time. Um, so, you know, I think one thing that we're doing again is like surfacing these, these case studies, I think offering these roadmaps and tools to help companies really prioritize and implement change. Um, companies need a lot of support and, and, and look like it's what we're asking companies to do is really hard. What employees are asking companies to do is really, really hard. Um, and it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of grace and it's going to take a lot of, as you say, like failing and trying again. Um, and one thing I'm really proud of as a company is we've outlined this charter to help companies and employees understand what great looks like, what great dynamic, equitable, fair organizations can be and helping companies work toward that. And it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but, but like start now, (laughs) you know, start now when employees are really hungry for change. Yeah, I agree with you. No one says that it's easy, but I know you're a big Seinfeld fan. You ever hear his joke about putting man on the moon? Yeah. Right. We never should have done it because now we could say, oh, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't do insert thing that shouldn't nearly be as hard. Uh, totally. And and change is change is so hard, but I think we underestimate the human ability to adapt. We did at the beginning of the pandemic. We're doing it now. And um and like I said, I think people are so hungry for change. Um, and I think now is the time. Like now, if you're going to be leading a transformation project at an organization or you, you know, I, like now is the time where everybody is ready. Everybody is ready to, to do it. And so, um, you know, I think having the right tools and resources, having this like North Star to understand what that looks like. And then just starting the work is, is what we're helping companies do right now. Good stuff, Aaron. I'll get you here out of here on this. What book are you currently reading? I'm reading The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Any good? It's great. Yeah, it's my second time reading it. It's um, I think it's an incredible gift of a book. It is helping me understand as people come together in organizations and then also within my own family and, and within my own social circle, how we come together and why, um, and what makes, um, meaningful connections. Good stuff, Aaron. Thanks for staying or Thanks for agreeing to be on. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is fun. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at wait for it patreon.com forward slash phil simon i've set up a number of different tiers including early access and podcast sponsorships 
Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.